And it is Monday night, 8 p.m. That can only be one thing. What that means is that it is me, Maestro Ah, Master Milkar, with my main man, my partner, Kenny T. Kenny, how's it going, fam? Great, brother. Great. Can't complain. You already know. Been looking forward to today since a lot of trash talking. You already know. Absolutely. So, look, man, we started off there by playing some of the audio of uh, Inouye Desmarines on Saturday night. And I got to say, I was very impressed by Inouye. Uh, people who have been listening to me for a while know that I consider him one of the best talents in the sport of boxing. I would honestly say that I don't think there is a better talent in the sport of boxing. People could rank him in the top three, in the top four, wherever they think he should be ranked. I know there are a lot of haters that don't put him high, but he destroys everyone that is put in front of him. And yeah, Kenny, what were your thoughts on, on in a way, the monster? Do we crown him? He is definitely a fucking monster. And I think the reason he gets a lot of hate is because he's not American. He's not fighting in the U.S. or he has fought in the U.S. But, you know, people hate haters. Some, uh, Americans swear that and, and believe me, I'm American myself. I was born in the United States. But Americans swear, swear that the United States is the mecca of all sports or whatever. But moving on, he is the fucking monster. He is a savage. He's a beast. Those body shots look like they cripple me. And I'm 220 pounds. I, they would fold my 235-pound up as uh, uh, no, no, no doubt about it. I mean... The thing is, I had debates with people early on, uh, especially last year. They said he had no defense. I don't know what they're talking about. I mean, his in-and-out movement, his reaction time, his use of feints is next level. He keeps people guessing constantly. He cuts off the ring tremendously. He's just a next-level talent, and things are super, super hot right now at the 118-pound division. I don't think there's anybody more dominant in the sport of boxing whose name is not Canelo Alvarez. But what I do have to say is 118 pounds is looking very good. We had Nonito Donare at the fight. We had uh, John Riel Casimero at the fight. Those two were going to be fighting each other. For some reason, Rigo got pushed to the side. I hope he got paid with some step-aside money. Not exactly sure how that one happened. Just want to make sure we salute everyone out there as we get started here. We got H Money Boxing in the house, A Rod Boxeo, Tracy Boxing Girl, the one and only D Style Boxing, hashtag ACP, no power boxeanos. And here we go. Kenny, what were your thoughts on hearing that uh, Nonito is going to be taking on uh, John Rio Casimero in August now instead of uh, Regando? Uh, I actually don't know what to think. Uh, I feel bad for Regan, though, because, uh, you know, I think he should have an opportunity at, at fighting Donaire or, or fighting um, the monster. You know, we all want to see the monster and Donaire again. And, and that's probably the only fight where I think that the monster looked like he had no defense. But that but Donaire's come on, come on. Like the, the guy's a beast. He'll make it, almost anybody look like they don't have any defense. So. You know, I, I I feel bad for Regandau. Casimero, he's going to get a shot, and he's going to try to get lucky and get a shot against the Monster. Uh, I think it's all going to end up with a rematch with Donaire and the Monster. Right. I see you there, Tracy. Yes, you are the one and only 
boxer girl bad news brown thank you for joining us same to you untraceable dawn always a pleasure to have our growing family in the house with us live every monday night 8 p.m eastern mano a mano live it's me maestro it's kenny t let's get into it so look the biggest problem i had on saturday night okay going into this fight uh night uh this super saturday of fights was that I had to wait for the conclusion of one of your favorite sports, uh, baseball, to conclude. I know you're not the biggest college sports fan, but, bro, uh, Vanderbilt was playing. I don't even remember who, and it was just going on and on and on. I didn't get the announcement to move over to ESPN2, so I actually ended up watching the Showtime card uh, for a little bit. And uh, what I have to say about that is that – on the undercard, Angelo Leo got a gift decision, I felt, against Alameda. Uh, but moving on to the uh, to the main event, we had Jermel Charlo uh, take on uh, 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 Juan Montiel uh, from uh, uh, Mexico. And I thought the kid put up a great performance. Uh, I was very proud of him, the way he fought. Uh, you could say that he lost every single round, but every single round was competitive. And he was touching up Charlo. Uh, he started off boxing from the outside, switching southpaw, orthodox, in and out movement, and then he decided to mix it up as they got into kind of the mid rounds. And he did touch up Charlo every now and again with hooks and with up- uppercuts. What were your thoughts of uh, of Montiel's performance, Kenny? That guy's jaw is on another level, bro. Uh, he did get stunned and buzzed a few times. I'm surprised he didn't go down. I'm just I'm extremely surprised he didn't go down. Uh, but there, I have to say, uh, Jermall, there was a few times like when he did stun him, he just started throwing wild punches and, and kind of missing and kind of exerting all his energy in the wild punches as opposed to properly hunting him down, getting him to the ropes and, you know, hitting him with some real, a couple more solid shots that I, I think would have put him down to the ground. I don't know who would have finished the fight because, like I said, the guy is a warrior. He's a beast. Like, I, I don't know how he stood so much damage and still kept on coming back after taking so much damage every single time. Super impressive on the guy. As Jermel Charlo said, I think the guy could potentially be a champion one day. We'll see how it goes for him. It depends on who he gets matched up against and, and if he does get some big fights. As he said, he hopes he gets some big fights. I hope he gets some big fights as well. Absolutely. Shout out to my boy G Funky and obviously Nando's in the house with us, as is JC. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, look, uh, tough warrior, but I don't even know if they breed any other kind in Los Mochis, Mexico, man. That is a tough place uh, to come from, especially if you're a fighter. You get thrown in with the Lions in Mexico at a very young age. They don't have soft touches. Uh, you got to fight to earn your spot. And he comes from a very uh, big fighting tradition, the Montiel family. I said going into this weekend that I expected a tough, tough fight. And that is exactly what he did. I was very pleased to see that so look uh we've already had some action in the chat talking about this performance and i gotta say a lot of people think this dude stole the show uh we're gonna go right to it and we'll let you guys uh witness this one for yourself as i uh as i bring it up here uh here we go let's have a look and let's listen Kuzia's hands are like rosin. 
Use that word earlier. Ooh, big oh, shot. Okay, Rosado just put him flat on his face. It's a knockout of the year contender. <laughs> I love I love the announcer, man. I love the way the announcer went bananas, bro. <laughs> yeah, I do. I gotta be honest. I do like I do like Grisham's announcing. That was some shot. And what was really incredible about it is that this is a guy, Gabe Rosado, that so many people have ridden off. I thought he got the bad end of the stick when he fought a Daniel Jacobs. Uh, I thought that he should have at least gotten a draw out of that fight. And I think a strong case could have been made for him to get the win. He came into this fight. Beck the bully was every expert's favorite going into this fight. Gabe Rosado was the clear underdog. Went into this fight with 13 losses, I believe. Got knocked down the first uh, uh, early on in the fight. Kenny, you said he took a knee. I, I think it was a body shot that he did take a knee, but I feel he was forced to take a knee. But the way he came back, and if you relook at the knockdown, you could see him trying to set up that right hand, and he just put the bully's lights out. Kenny, what were your thoughts? My God, as the announcer said, bro, knockout of the year contender. It was just savage. I, I very, 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 very impressed by Gabe Rosado. Uh, maybe he, hopefully, he gets a big fight. Uh, I don't know. He has a lot of losses, and he's a, a guy who a lot of people have written off, as you said. Daniel Jacobs, in my opinion, has lost a lot of his fights with the little minimal punching that he'd be doing, but his name apparently continues to carry him on with whatever judges they continue to put in his fights. Uh, the, uh, the bully, definitely a savage body puncher, a powerful dude. He definitely squares up too much, though. You know, he, he his legs was to the side, but his body was always square, which I think was what made him vulnerable to that savage Oh, right hand, straight right that 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 hit him in the jaw, and that I think that's what uh, made him vulnerable to the to the knockout. If he wasn't so squared, and wasn't always trying to aggressively come forward and impose his will on on, on Rosado, King gave Rosado. He deserves it for this one time. I don't I don't call anybody a king, but he deserves it for this one time for that knockout. I think that's what made him successful to that to that knockout. That he was so square, he kept on coming in and trying to impose his will on Gabe. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Nando uh, in the chat says uh, something that's spot on. He says, Beck the Bully was warned about his wide punches by his corner between rounds. He absolutely was. He did not seem to respect Gabe Rosado's punching power. But like they say, it's the shots that you don't see that turn your lights out. And he did not see that shot coming. And you look at Gabe Rosado, and he's no weakling. If he throws a perfectly placed shot... That shit's going to turn your lights out one way or another. And Beck the Bully is going to have to come back from this. I think kind of the aura and mystique of invincibility, if it was there, I mean, people were promoting him that way. Uh, that shine's kind of lost a little bit of its luster right now. I think he's going to have to work his way back to the top uh, of the contender kind of status. And I think people now, at least Gabe Rosado and a lot of people are, are, are supporting him in this, want to see him take on a guy in um, Mungia, who in the main event beat Zerometa uh, by uh, knockout and uh, TKO, rather. he uh, The fight was ended when Zerometa was in his corner. I didn't think that Zerometa uh, really showed much diversity in his offense. I really think that he was just kind of straightforward fighting him on the inside and didn't really bring that much. He fought Mungia's fight. Mungia uh, was relentless as usual, threw punches and bunches as usual. Zerometa could not keep up with him. And in the end, he got retired on his stool 
Kenny, what were your thoughts of on Mungia? And also, uh, what do you think of a potential Gabriel's out of Mungia fight? I would love to see a Gabriel's out of Mungia fight. Uh, they both seem to, when they do go into war, seem to throw punches and bunches. Uh, I don't think that Mungia has ever really been tested like that. I don't think Mungia is really ready for any championship uh, level type of fight. Uh, he He's a big dude that doesn't seem to have power in these higher weight classes. Yes, he puts Aramata down. The guy came to fight him two weeks before. He accepted the fight two weeks before. How much training do you actually get in and how much knowledge do you actually uh, get to gain from watching tapes of the guy in two weeks? You know, uh, I think that's unfair to Aramata, but and then again, the guy, I, I expected him to get washed up by Mungia anyway. I would love to see him against Gabe Rosado. Gabe Rosado knows how to go to war. Uh, and, and that seems to be uh, Jaime Mungia's style. Move forward, throw lots of punches and bunches, and get hit in the process. And if he gets hit by a punch like Gabe Rosado gave the bully, oh, my God. I want to see him sustain that one and not go down. That'll be him getting tested and maybe preparing him for a bigger battle war or a bigger type of challenge, maybe some type of belt at that uh, weight class. Absolutely. And shout out to everybody who's in the chat that's joined us. A Method in Madness, Run PMC, and Javier Avila. Thank you so much for joining us. Joe Lopez, 40 ounce as well. So uh, not to mention Untraceable Dawn and Andre Rodriguez and Bad News Brown. So well, well, one more thing before we do move on. Gabe Rosado definitely showed uh, his experience in the ring because uh, him taking that foot, him taking the knee when he caught the body shot and the couple of, so it was, the headshots weren't that hard. The body shot was what took him down. Him taking that knee to survive another round, to come back with that KO, that's all experience. That's all, that's all that knowledge, all them, all them rounds that he's fought, all those losses he's taken and all those fights that he's also won as well. So there's been chatter on the internet, on Twitter. There's also been chatter here in our chat, Kenny, about Berlanga uh, and Rosado. Uh, that's come up. And we've also seen chat about uh, Mungia in Triple G. Uh, I actually think that's a good fight for Triple G. Honestly, I don't think Berlanga is ready for Rosado. I think that's a really good fight uh, for Rosado. Uh, your thoughts, Kenny? Uh Triple G hasn't fought in forever. Triple G just wants to fight one man, and we know who that is. Oh, he wants a big money fight. Uh, I don't know if at this point, uh, that, that, um, what's his name? Mungia will be a big money fight for him, but I would like to see that, you know. Uh, it would definitely, I think it would definitely test Mungia's chin, right? If, if old man Triple G still has the power that young man Triple G used to have. Uh, Berlanga. No, man, the guy has, hasn't, he hasn't fought enough rounds in the pros. The guy keeps getting his first round knockouts. The guy, you know, uh, the last fight went a little longer or whatever, but I don't think, I think uh, right now that would be unfair for Berlanga. As impressive as he's looked so far, I think that would be very unfair for Berlanga. And I, and I sound as if I'm his manager or something like that. No, it's, I'm, I'm just thinking like, if the guy's just not ready, you know, it's just not, it's not his time just yet. He's not ready to go take these championship level fights. My thoughts are that if you're ever going to go after Triple G, now is the time. He's been rev relatively inactive. He hasn't taken on high-level competition really since the Canelo fight. Uh, it's been years since we've seen him really tested. Uh, you know, Mungia did at least as good against Zeremeta as he did, in my opinion. And Mungia's on the way up. If you want to catch a guy like Triple G, I think that now's the time to do it. Mungia's a tough guy, great chin throws volume punches, and I think it's a really good matchup 
for him against Triple G. In terms of Rosado and Berlanga, I think that Berlanga at this point does not have the seasoning. He got taken the distance in his last fight against a guy with way less experience than Gabe Rosado, a guy who I thought uh, at least, again, deserved the draw against Danny Jacobs and could have possibly won that fight, and who we just saw turn the lights out on Beck the Bully. So that, that's what I think on those two potential matchups. The one name that we do not hear guys mentioning, as always, is Boo Boo Andrade. We're talking about Demetrius Andrade. I just don't think people really are that eager to, to fight him. Charlo hasn't mentioned him. Munguia's is mandatory, I believe. He hasn't mentioned him. Uh, Triple G's not going anywhere near this dude. And I'm at the point right now where I just don't think it's about a stylistic matchup. I don't think that Charlo's really that intimidated by, by Andrade personally. Um, I just don't think that he brings enough attention. I don't think he's a big enough draw. It's prize fighting. Um, I mean, I think that uh, if anybody should fight him, it should probably be Triple G or Charlo, considering that they're the other champions. But, I mean, if you were one of these guys, would you be going anywhere near Andrade, Kenny? Uh, definitely not. The guy hasn't really looked impressive like that in his last few fights. Uh, he runs around too much. His, uh, what he mostly does in fights is run around and try to duck punches and throw one punch at a time, you know. For me, that's as, as if I was a fighter, that be an annoying style to fight. A dude who's just running, running around and running away from me in the ring, and I'm gonna have to corner him and beat his ass. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think Charlo would definitely do great against him. I, you know, I heard somebody say that Canelo, I don't know if this is actually true, but that Canelo said that it's time for Charlo to fight Boo Boo and then move up to fight him and wait. I don't know if that's true or not. Uh, but if that is the case, if there was a Canelo uh, 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 at the end of the rainbow, if there was a Canelo fight for Charlo, then yeah, fuck it. I take I take the Andre fight. But right now, who who the as a fan, I don't even want to see Andre's fights. So I gotta agree if, with you. So so if you was a, 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 a fan, if you was the other fight on the other side that you're gonna sell most of the fight. Would you want to fight this guy that you're going to have to carry and, and is going to run away from you the entire time and make the fight annoying? Not challenging, annoying. Yeah, and one thing I got to say about that too, Kenny, is that I think it's very interesting that these guys are all calling out Canelo, who's at 168, and they should be trying to fight each other at 160. Boo Boo's calling out Canelo, Right. Uh, Triple G, he's calling out Canelo. And obviously, a guy that I like in Jamal Charlo is calling out Canelo. Uh, I mean, where do you think the focus would should be? I mean, my view is that they should be focused on each other and let Canelo handle his business at 168. I agree. Uh, if, again, if I was a boxer, my main focus would be trying to unify before trying to move on to another weight. Uh, I would definitely not try to stay in the same weight. I would try to unify, as I said, after that, try to move on to the next weight and try to get some belts in that weight class. Always got to continue moving on to a bigger, greater challenge. And what's more challenging than a higher-weighted person with more muscle, more power, where you put yourself in more danger? Yeah, absolutely. So, look, um, we got to get to this to the next fights, I'll, I'll let you introduce the next topic, Kenny, which is the Lomachenko Nakatani, and then I want to get in to the other 
big fight. And for those of you that are listening and not watching, I'm using the air quotes there, the sarcastic air quotes. But why don't you introduce Nakatani Lomachenko? All right. Sounds good to me. So I was watching uh, the the little top-ranked promotion uh, early. I forgot what it's called with uh, Lomachenko, uh, where he was kind of making some excuses about his shoulder not being 100%, that he wasn't able to use it in the first six rounds or something along those lines. It sounded very sorry from a guy who's, who's great and is champion, but or was a champion. But uh, he's supposed to be matched up against Nakatani next, and I think that's a great matchup, uh, a great, great matchup for him because uh, – Teofimo didn't necessarily do too amazing against Nakatani. He didn't do bad. He won almost every round convincingly, if you ask me. But he didn't obliterate him how he did to the rest of his opponents. So I think it gives Lomachenko a chance at coming back, a chance at potentially getting that Teofimo fight, which he so dearly wants again. Um, and it's also, for me, it shows a, a, a lot of heart, right? Because uh, it... it it's such a big dude versus such a so much shorter guy, you know, like he's really going to have to fight the guy's height and the guy's reach to try to get in there. If Lomachenko could put this guy down potentially with some body shots, not by headhunting, because obviously the guy got a hell of a, a jaw and he didn't get knocked out by Teofimo with the headhunting. I think uh, I definitely think it'll be an amazing fight uh, uh, and, a, and an amazing idea. Like uh, like uh, they say in the little top ranked promotion, he's going fishing for Teofimo. As he as uh, uh, Lomachenko is a fisherman, <laughs> and, and and you tell me your thoughts, brother. What do you think about this uh, this uh, matchup for for Lomachenko and for Nakatani? I think it's a great fight for for Nakatani coming off to the win against Verdejo. Uh, it's a win win situation for him because if he is competitive against Lomachenko, guess what? He gets another big fight. He stays in the mix at one thirty five. If he wins at against Lomachenko he totally catas cat, uh you know catapults himself to the top of the division I mean pretty much right behind uh uh Teofimo and you could argue Devin Haney as well uh Lomachenko this is a tough comeback fight for him he's fighting a guy that could fucking hit that can fucking take a punch um that loves to come forward and when I say take a punch people say oh well uh Maestro you know he got dropped by Verdejo he did get dropped, but he came back like the Terminator every single time. And he came back and was not on the back foot. He came back and tried to get some get back. So Nakatani's a tough dude. He's tall. And he said something very interesting after that last fight with Verdejo. He said, I realized that I should start fast and just go, uh, basically fight on the front foot and go forward and work behind the jab. And that he felt that at the beginning of the Verdejo fight, he was too much in retreat, a little bit too much respectful of, of Verdejo. And he really experienced success when he went forward. So, you know what that reminds me of? It reminds Teofimo. me of bigger, stronger Teofimo Lopez going at Lomachenko and walking him down. And if Nakatani's smart, and I know he is, he's a world-class level fighter, he must have seen that performance by Teofimo Lopez. He must have been there, right, con Lucy Papel, right, taking notes and must realize that he's got to walk the smaller guy down, put him on the back foot, and impose himself uh, like like the bigger man. Kenny? 
Oh, I completely agree. And I think he can definitely do that. He has the size, he has the power, and it just depends if he has the body, right? Because we I don't think we've seen his body get tested, Nakatani's body get tested. And we know that Lomachenko likes to give a lot of body shots. And as a shorter guy, that's exactly what he should be trying to do, chop the tree down. So, you know, uh, Nakatani, he's shooting for greatness. Lomachenko, he's shooting for, for, for trying to get back and, and get that fight against Teofimo. I just, uh, man... If Lomachenko wins, like it'll hopefully, hopefully get in that fight against Teofimo because Teofimo's been talking about that he wants to move to 140. And if if that Devin Haney fight doesn't happen, he may just move to 140. Um, but what happens? My question to you is, what happens if Lomachenko loses this fight? Is it over for him? Is he not the Matrix anymore? What 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 happens with Lomachenko? Well, what's funny to me is that even till this day, as Deontay <laughs> said, back when I actually used to kind of like him and respect him, Joe Tessitore still seems to be riding Lomachenko's dick. He cannot stop it. He keeps referring to him as the former pound-for-pound pound number one. I never had dude as my pound-for-pound pound number one. Um, and when I say pound-for-pound, pound, I mean one specific thing. I don't do this whole thing of, oh, well, uh, if he was 280 pounds, he'd be better than Tyson Fury. Or if he was 168 pounds, he'd be better than uh, Canelo Alvarez. No. When I say pound-for-pound, pound, I literally mean one thing. Who is the most dominant in a division and how dominant are they compared to other fighters in other divisions? And... Lomachenko was never that dude to me. Um, ESPN still in love with him. Uh, they're still referring to him as a pound-for-pound pound great. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if I agree with that. And what I do got to say is that I think they're just going to make an excuse for him again, say he's too small, and tell him that he needs to go back down to 130. D-Style, you are on live with Mano Asmano, our brother there at HCP. How's it going, fam? I'm ready to go mano a mano. That's what I'm ready to do right now. That's right, bro. Because I heard some blasphemy out of you right now. Like, what do you mean a bigger, stronger Teofimo? Like, just because he's taller than Teofimo, I don't think he hits harder than Teofimo. I don't think he's stronger than Teofimo. He's definitely not as skilled as Teofimo. He's not as fast as Teofimo. He doesn't have the footwork of Teofimo. He doesn't got the ring IQ of Teofimo. Well, I don't know if that's what I said. That's not what I meant, D-Style, but I don't think that that's what I said. What I meant to say is that he's bigger and stronger than the Matrix, Lomachenko, and I can see him moving forward and using the jab. And what I said, what I meant to say, uh, let me correct myself. I'll go, I'll go back and watch the video. What I meant to say is that he should have been taking notes from Teofimo in terms of figuring out a strategy and he should impose himself, uh, Nakatani, that is, on Lomachenko. Well, well, um, well, here's what I'll say as far as the fight itself. Too much torso, and I think Loma is going to be like Baki in the, when like, uh, his, his suero lit him in the, uh, the meat factory. He shouldn't be smacking that body all night. There's nothing... I, like, look, the feet of Nagatani are too slow, okay? He's going to get fouled on. He's going to get turn. He's going to hit up to the body, turn him. Body, turn him, right? Uh, an occasional shot upstairs to keep the guard up. 
and he, he it's just too much torso for him. He's, he's gonna he's gonna punish that body. He, he managed to punish the body of Luke Campbell, who's five ten. Uh, did a good job in that one. I think Luke Campbell has the you know. I, I think he was able to. He's like a better pure boxer than a Nagatani. I don't think the pressure is going to get to Loma at all. Actually, I think Loma's okay with pressure. He's doing half the job for him. Uh, pure boxers like guys that come forward for them. You know, so I think I think that's going to be what you're going to see, man. He's going to chop him down like a big tree, right? Like a bonsai tree, like a big one. You know what I mean? That's, that's what he's going to do, bro. <laughs> you know, but it also depends, right? Uh, uh, it depends if Nakatani uh, took notes on Tao's strategy, right? Because uh, there's something that Tao did in the first six or so rounds. Every time that Loma would try to do what they call the matrix, you know, duck down and come to the side and give him the angle, you will see Tao give him a nice fucking hook. Every every single time, no matter what side Loma was going to, you will see Tao do this. So it really depends how much tail tape Nakatani is watching. I'd employ that same exact strategy, and I didn't also employ staying long and using the stick, as they say, the entire fight. But you know, you do have a, a, a great point in that he's definitely going to be chopping that tree down, that big-ass tree. <laughs> so, let me say his last thing before I go. Absolutely. And you got to catch us after Mano on Mano on Calix Boxing. Now go ahead and catch us there for Power Punchers. And next week, we'll be having Uncensored after Mano a Mano, so everybody stay tuned for all that. But let me say this. Someone could know what a fighter's going to do, yet not be able to do anything about it. Like, Ricky Haddon broke down Manny Pacquiao to the T before their fight. Oh, uh, he does the same thing every time. Yet he still did it to him, and there's, there was nothing he could do about it. Nakatani could know what Loma's going to do. He, he doesn't have the attributes to do anything about it, in my opinion. He's not going to be able to stop him from styling on him. I, I got Loma late stoppage in the fight. Wow. Okay. Well, uh, I... I'm riding with Nakatani on this one. I'm going to tell you that right now. I think you could always, already tell that, D-Style. So this is going to be an interesting Saturday night. I don't know if I got Loma by KO. I I, I think this may be a 12-round a, a fight. Uh, I don't think Loma has more power. More He does have more technique than Tail, but I don't think he has more power than Tail. And, you know, Tail wasn't able to put him down, although Tail was uh, uh, headhunting. We'll see. We'll see. How, how how weak or how strong Nakatani's body is because we haven't seen Nakatani's body tested, you know? So, this is my thoughts. We'll see how it goes. Absolutely. So, look, uh, those of you who saw the graphic for today's episode, uh, Mano a Mano, live here Monday night, every week, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, know that the title of this was Germante Davis, Mario Barrio, App, alphabet soup marketing and i gotta tell you i don't think i've ever seen a promotion that's insulted the iq and the intellect of boxing fans more than the promotion for this particular fight i got no problem with tank davis i've seen him fight live he's a highly skilled guy i like him you know i i like uh, his persona I, I like what he means to the inner city community in baltimore maryland he's a fighter he, you cannot knock the way he fights. 
But guys, this is not for the 140-pound championship of the world. It is not. It is not for the 140-pound championship of the world. The 140-pound champion of the world was established when Josh Taylor knocked down Jose Ramirez twice en route to a victory. He is the WBC, WBA, IBF, WBO, 140-pound champion. This is not a championship fight. Mario Barrios, again, I don't have a problem with Mario Barrios. I like the way he fights. I think he's put on some impressive performances. But this guy is not the 140-pound champion. They are not fighting for a 140-pound championship. It is one thing to advertise something as a championship fight when there are multiple people claiming title belts in the division. That is not the case this Saturday night. There is one man and one man only that has all the belts, and that is the Tartan Warrior, Josh Taylor. I, I got to tell you, I think PBC and Fox are dropping the ball on this. Promote Tank like he is, but, I mean, he wasn't the champ at 130 when he knocked out Leo Santa Cruz. He wasn't the champ at 135 when he beat up a hobbled 40-year-old Uriorkis Gamboa on a bad Achilles. Uh, excuse me, this ain't no fucking championship, and it shouldn't be on motherfucking pay-per-view. Kenny. I wholeheartedly agree. You know, I think they're trying to TBE, TMT, uh, Javante. You know what I'm saying? They're, they're trying to bring him up on the Floyd Mayweather plan later in the years. Not early in the years. Later in the years. Uh, the money Mayweather plan, which was, uh, you know, fight guys in catch weights, uh, go fight older, watch the people just to get him uh, uh, more belts, more titles, more names. You know, I don't think that this is, a, a, a like you said, a title fight. It's probably a, 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 one of those secondary, tertiary belts that they, that these uh, fighting, bo these boxing, uh, I don't know what the hell they're called, WC, WBA, these companies are, are doing. It just doesn't make sense. It's not a pay-per-view. I will definitely not be paying for the pay-per-view. Like I said, we already know. Unless I have company over, I am not paying for the pay-per-view. But like, I do like Javante Davis. I think they, what they're banking on is another knockout and, and the style in which he knocks people out. That's the only thing that – the greatest factor, I think, of Javante Tank Davis, the, his style of knockouts. They're always vicious. They're always brutal. But that does not make this a championship fight. And Mario Barrios, he may he, he I don't know. I, I've seen his last maybe three, four fights, and he always gets hit a lot. He's always there. And when every single time he throws a jab or he throws a hook, he's always getting countered. He's always there to get hit a lot. And if Gervonta's power carries on to this next uh, weight class, I think it's gonna be a, a very sad early day for for Barrios. It just depends how his weight carries on to the 140 pound division. But no, this is not a championship fight, like you said. It is disrespectful to boxing fans, but I will be watching it nonetheless. Just I won't be paying for it. Yeah, look, I'm going to be watching it. I mean, it goes without saying that this is an entertaining fight. I mean, it's an interesting matchup. You got a guy who you could argue is 130 pounders naturally. Uh, he's not even big for 130 pounds. He's a tank. He hits hard. He's short. He's stocky. He's muscular. He's a great inside fighter. The uppercut is one of the most vicious in the game. That goes without saying. 
He's moving up in weight to test himself against a guy at 140 pounds. But Mario Barrios ain't no champion, man. He just is not. He's a contender at most. I could name you about three, four guys right now who I think are better fighters at 140 than Mario Barrios is. Maybe more than three, four guys. Maybe five, six guys. Like, Tank is not taking on the best. And there was this scene, yo, where his trainer, like, took this, like, uh, framed, quoted uh, piece of paper that was pretty much saying that Floyd fought the best at 130. Then Floyd fought the best at 135. Then Floyd fought the best at 140. Uh, Well, guess what? That ain't true. He never fought the best at 140. He missed a bunch of other guys at lower weight classes. Okay, so he didn't fight Yoel Casamayor. He didn't fight Asalino Freitas. When he moved up to 140, he didn't fight Costa Zou. But I digress. You could even make a strong, uh, somewhat of a case about that with Floyd. But to say to boxing fans in this show that Gervonta is doing what Floyd did, but only at a younger age than Floyd did, is an insult to boxing fans. And it's also an insult to Floyd Mayweather Jr., as far as I'm concerned. That, like, that is just not the case. That's not uh, the reality of the situation. Tank has not fought the best competition at 130. Last time I checked, he didn't fight Miguel Burchell. Last time I checked, he didn't fight uh, Oscar Valdez. Last time I checked, okay, he didn't fight even a Jamel Herring, let alone a Shakur Stevenson. He just didn't do it. At 135, he didn't fight Teofimo Lopez Jr., okay? He didn't fight Devin Haney, right? He didn't fight, uh, 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 I mean, uh, Jorge Linares. He didn't fight Ryan Garcia. He didn't fight Luke Campbell. He didn't fight uh, uh, my Ghanaian brother that got knocked out by Teofimo. Fuck, I can't remember his name right now. Um but but he he didn't fight the top guys. So like, what are they talking about? What are they selling? It doesn't make any sense at all. I, I'm actually looking at the 140 pound division rankings right now, and uh, Mario Barrios is number ten. It means he got nine people ahead of him, including Robert Easter Jr. Which Comey is the guy I was trying to remember. Sorry, Kenny Comey. Can't believe I forgot his name. All good, brother. All good. There's so many people that are up ahead. And the top four in the division, Josh Taylor, Jose Ramirez, Regis Progre, Jose Cepeda, any of, any of those guys, I think, uh, would actually, not, not that it'll be a championship fight, but it'll be much more and look much better on Gervonta's record as opposed to what they're doing. They're, they're, they're getting him the, the, the weakest link in every division and calling it a championship fight and trying to bring him along, along all for the money. They're trying to keep him out of risk. They're See, the, the reason they're comparing him to Mayweather, the money team is comparing him to Mayweather, is because they got him on the Mayweather plan. He's he, he, he Mayweather has him right here, right, 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 right in the arm. So we're gonna we're gonna skate you by everybody, okay? We're not gonna put you under any adversity, and and you, you just gotta continue knocking everybody out like I did when I was younger. Uh, and, and, and you know, it's literally all for money. That's all that that's all it is. Mayweather. Uh, uh, put his arm around this guy and, and said that he's going to be the best, yada, yada, yada. And this is what has all types of fans believing that he is like Mayweather or he is the next Mayweather, so on and so forth. People, some some people get so like infatuated with the words of certain boxers, especially Mayweather. Mayweather, if you look at Mayweather's social media, he's probably the most famous boxer in the world or ex-boxer, whatever you want to call him. 
people believe in his word blindly, which it is what it is. I, 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 if I had that popularity shit, I'd be doing the same thing. You know, but as as real boxing fans, as people who are real serious about the sport and really watch stats and really know know all the rest of these fighters, you know that it's bullshit. So the casual fan, though, seeing a beautiful knockout, a beautiful one punch KO with a or an uppercut KO or, or just the pretty ass knockouts that Javante Davis be having. You would believe that shit. You know what I'm saying? You would, you 100% would believe it. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I'm not going to stand here in front or sit here in front. I'm an honest dude. Kenny, you're an honest dude. We're going to be watching this fight on Saturday. We know we are. But I am not going to watch this fight and fucking pretend that it's for a 140-pound championship. Because it is not. Josh Taylor, again, is the 140-pound championship uh, sorry, champion, and that is what it is. H Money, you're on live with uh, me and Kenny T on Mano and Mano. What's good, H Money? Yo, what's good, my brothers? How y'all doing? Great, man. Thank you for calling in. Cool, then, brother. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. It was a, a great week of fights. I want to give a special shout out to Gabriel Rosado. He shocked the world by knocking out Beck Demir Melacuziev. Beck Bully was considered to be one of the best prospects in boxing. And the veteran like Gabriel Rosado knocked him out. So shout out to Philadelphia. Shout out to Gabriel Rosado. Man, that, that was a great knockout. I think that's the knockout of the year and uh, pr- probably one of the biggest upsets of the year. I'm looking forward to the fights this Saturday. We got Vasily Lomachenko making his return back to the ring versus a very tough opponent like Nakatani. Nakatani has a lot of heart. Nakatani is a warrior. He's going to come to fight. But I, I got to go with Lomachenko in this one. Lomachenko's too quick, too slick, and he has great boxing skills. I think uh, the lack of speed of Nakatani is going to be the difference. Nakatani is very slow. He has no defense, no head movement. Lomachenko will make a miss, and Lomachenko will make him pay. So I'm going with Lomachenko, Javante Davis, Javante Tank Davis, Mayweather Promotions versus Mario Barrios. I think this is another great fight. Uh, Mario Barrios, underrated. This guy has hand speed. He has power. He's a great body puncher. He's trained by Virgil Hunter. Virgil Hunter, the legendary trainer from Oakland, California. Virgil Hunter, former trainer of the year. Virgil Hunter trained Andre Ward. You know, and um, Virgil Hunter, he will have Mario Barrios ready. Javante Davis, I think um, he has a lot of skills. He has a lot of power. Some people consider him to be a mini Mike Tyson, a smaller version of Mike Tyson. I think it's going to be a great fight, but I'm going with the upset. I'm going with Mario Barrios. I think Barrios, he has underrated skills. He's a very good body puncher. I'm going with Barrios with the upset. I'm on the undercard. We got Erickson Lubin versus Jason Rosario. This is one of the best co-main events in boxing in a very long time. I'm going with Erickson Lubin. I think it's a close fight, 50-50 fight, but I think Lubin has more skills, so I'm leaning towards Erickson Lubin, and he, he has a great trainer as well, Coach Kevin Cunningham. Coach Kevin Cunningham, who trained um, Corey Spinks, Corey Spinks, former undisputed welterweight champion. He trained Devin Alexander. He has a lot of experience. I'm just looking forward to the big fights, my brother. I'm excited. Absolutely. And you know what? We're on the same page of that one, uh, H-Money. And if you're not subscribed to H-Money Boxing, I know most of you already are. But if you're not, 
subscribe to my brother H Money. He is one of the realists out there doing it on YouTube. H Money, I was on your channel, I think it was about a month ago when I was walking around my neighborhood and I called called into your show. And I said the same thing. I, I think that Mario Barrios right now is primed for victory. The thing is with, with Haney, when you're not tested for long enough, you know, you end up at certain points taking on more than you can chew when you haven't really been prepared for it. And he is a tough guy, a bigger guy who could take a punch, who could throw a punch, who's got boxing skills. And I agree with you. But uh, H Money, before you jump on out of here, I'd like you to tell me your thoughts on this narrative that uh, he's fought the best at 130, at 135, and is about to fight the best at 140. What are your thoughts on that? Brother, that's some bullshit, man. I mean, I like Tank Davis, but, you know, um, he hasn't fought the best at 135. He he only had one fight at 135 against Gamboa. You know, and uh, Gamboa, of course, you know, um, he was a little bit past his prime, of course. Gamboa had a torn Achilles in that fight. And uh, his power wasn't the same at 135. People fail to realize that Tank Davis, he he's not a, um, a one-punch knockout artist in the higher weight classes at 135. Uh, Gamboa kept getting back up. Now, he stopped Gamboa in the 12th round, but it wasn't like the knockout we've seen against Leo Santa Cruz. Well, we know Leo Santa Cruz came up from 118 pounds. So um, I want to question the power of Tank Davis at 140. Um, he didn't beat the best at 130 either. You, he, didn't, he, he didn't fight against Oscar Valdez. You know, he didn't fight against uh, Jamel Heron. He didn't fight against... Uh, the the uh, the champions the real champions at that weight class the best champions like Miguel Burchell you know so that that's a false narrative that uh, Mayweather Promotions is using to to promote Javante Davis you know he he didn't fight the best at 135 he never fought Lomachenko Tiafimo Lopez he didn't fight Devin Haney and those guys so uh yeah man he got a lot of work to do bro and now you know you're trying to uh, cherry pick a regular belt at 140 against Mario Barrios and I think Mayweather Promotions made a big mistake that's what I think bro I agree I agree I thank you so much H Money Sorry, keep doing what you're Absolutely, doing. Absolutely, anytime. Keep doing what you're I doing, I appreciate brother. that, Maestro. Brother, you too. You keep up the great work. You're a beast, bro. You're the truth when it comes to this boxing. Shout out to my brother, Kenny, man. I'll be, I'll be in the chat, bro. Thank, Thank you, you brother. Thank you, man. That's the one and only H Money Boxing. Most of you were already subscribed, but if you are not, make sure you subscribe like share my brother's videos before we move on this one there's one thing that 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 ace money mentioned one fight that we that we did not discuss jason rosario and erickson lubin listen man jason rosario that man got a lot of power if, if erickson lubin's jaw is anything like it used to be when he fought charlo it may just end up the same way not in the first round because i think charlo is more experienced and more skillful than than, than jason rosario but listen, it could end in any way. And since I'm Dominican, I go for my Dominican brother. You already know. <laughs> it's interesting, this fight, you know, because it's a crossroads fight. You're talking about a guy that had a brutal knockout loss early on in his career when he was very, very young. I think he was like 20 years old when that happened. And I think Charlo was about 27. I know it was early 20s, late 20s. I always felt it was a little bit too much to take on, although... I mean, you cannot question Lubin's just raw talent and skill. Uh, he was like next-level talent, but a Charlo 
was obviously uh, more seasoned, older at that time and did what he did, obviously. I think I agree. I don't think I agree. I do agree with H Money. Kevin Cunningham is a great trainer, uh, very defensively minded, but also will have uh, him sharp as fuck with, with his combinations and have him using that jab. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Kevin Cunningham trained Corey Spinks and a bunch of other great fighters uh, in, in boxing. Um, Devin Alexander as well was a great fighter of his. I don't know who who. It's such a crossroads fight, and the thing I I that troubles me, man, about uh, Rosario Kenny is the way that he lost the last fight. He you got knocked down multiple times, and he got dropped on a jab to the solar plex. Uh, it's got to affect his confidence. He said in the public that it, that it was a fluke, but I haven't seen his training videos. Uh, I haven't really listened to his interviews. Uh, I, I'm going to want to see the final workouts, maybe even the weigh-in before I make a final prediction. But right now, I got to tell you, it's a compelling fight. It's an even matchup. It's a crossroads fight. And it's definitely a fight that I think could steal the show on this pay-per-view featuring uh, Tank Davis and Mario Barrios in the main event. So uh, a method in madness says that he's got Tank by knockout. Uh, you know, Tank's got the power, but uh, we'll see. Uh, Nando is saying that he's rough and ready. I think you're talking about um, Erickson Lubin in that one, and you're talking about Banana having seizures. Yeah, he, he had seizures in his last fight. I mean, it was spazzing on the floor uh, after getting hit to, to the solar plexus with the jab. I'm not saying it wasn't a big punch, but it's not a punch that you oftentimes see knocking people out. So, you know, it is what it is. But Kenny, I totally understand why you're going for, for Rosario in this one. I, I saw all I have not seen any any boxing tape. I haven't seen any workouts to train like you said. I, I just saw one interview earlier, which was uh, Lubin and Rosario. They were both speaking to the dude from Showtime, I can't remember his name, bald guy, but whatever. Um, Custer. There we go. There How the we go. fuck do I met, I met? I can remember his name, but I can't remember Comey's name. <laughs> Anyways. I'm horrible with names, so I'm always going to have trouble with names. But, yeah. Uh, and the one they asked him about that. Uh, uh, Custer asked him about that. They, they, asked, they asked him about the, the body shot that looked to have his stomach season and, and that he went down and couldn't get back up from. And he, so he pretty much said, he seemed very confident. He pretty much said that that's a thing of the past, that he's trained his body, that he learned from that experience, and that he's ready to move forward from that, and that he hopes that Lubin can stand up to one of his punches, which he said, which he says is stronger than Charlo's. But we don't know that because, look, man, Charlo finished him. <laughs> as much as I'd like to see uh, uh, my Dominican brother, I say Dominican brother because there's not much Dominicans in boxing, and he's one of the few that are in boxing. I would just like to see uh, Dominicans get higher in the in the in the boxing sport. But uh, we'll see. We'll see if that's Jason Rosario or not. At least he had, he was a two two time a two belt champion at one point, and that's good enough for me. But Erickson Lubin, he is very good, and he has a great trainer. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see where they both moved on to. Uh, one more question about this: Do you feel that the winner of this fight should get another chance at Charlo? Or they had to do more. They had to do more to get another shot at Charlo. I mean, to me, that's a really good question, Kenny, because obviously Charlo's taking on Brian Castaño, uh, the Argentinian fighter, the WBO champ at 154 later on, 
for the uh, for all four belts at 154 pounds. I think he would become the first uh, undisputed champ at 154 pounds in the history of boxing. Should he get past Castaño? And Castaño's talking a big game right now. I mean, he's telling Charlo that he's going to make him suffer in the fight. And if anyone's seen him fight, this kid is an all-action fighter that just takes it to his opponents. But I do think there's a big difference between T Patrick Teixeira, who he beat in his last fight for the WBO title, and Jermel Charlo. Uh, but the question is, what does Charlo do after, after he becomes undisputed, if he becomes a four-pound undisputed? Does he stay at the weight class? Does he defend the title as long as possible? Does he move up to 168 pounds? Uh, uh, sorry, 160 pounds. A lot of guys move up in weight after becoming undisputed. Uh, so we got we we don't know where Charlo's going to go. I or think Castano's going to go after after the, the undisputed fight. I think I know what Charlo's going to do. It appears like Charlo's going to move up in weight only because uh, the Charlo brothers and Errol Spence. They all train together. Uh, they're all like a little family, and they all kind of refuse to fight each other. And I recently heard Errol Spence say that if he cannot get this fight with Terrence Crawford at 147, he's moving up to 154. And if he moves up to 154, that puts him and Charlo in each other's path, and they do not want to fight each other. So I see both the, both the Charlo brothers moving up one weight class and Errol Spence moving up a weight class as well. I can definitely see that. Absolutely. So... We've got a few minutes left. If anyone wants to call in, the number is 718-618-4284. That's 718-618-4284. We are on Signal. We are on WhatsApp. You could just call in the way you regularly would, or you can call in using Skype at the email address that you see scrolling at the bottom of the screen. Now, look, we're not going to be able to get out of here, Kenny, on a Monday night without talking about what happened last week. And I'm talking about the press conference between Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury. Uh, I talked about this a little bit uh, when I went live for this press conference. Deontay Wilder talked a lot of shit. Deontay Wilder blamed the loss on a suit. He blamed the loss on the gloves. He blamed the loss on egg weights. He blamed the loss on Mark Breland spiking his water. He blamed the loss on COVID. He blamed the loss on white privilege, which I'm going to talk about sometime later this week. And then when the cameras were on and the lights were shining and the stage was there and he was up in front of millions of people around the world and journalists and had Tyson Fury right there in his face, he shows up wearing a mask, darked out shades, and wore headphones that he refused to take off. Terrible look by a man that claims that he's the king of black people. Terrible look by a guy who says that he's going to be winning back the heavyweight championship of the world. Kenny, what are your thoughts? My thoughts is I don't even want to speak about Deontay Wilder. I want to speak about Tyson Fury because he had me super fucking entertained. Bro, the shit that he was saying, I'm going to role play as if I was Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury. Bro, that shit had me dying. But nah, he, he uh, uh, Deontay Wilder looked like a little bitch, you know. Uh, for such a big man to look like a little bitch is pretty sad. When he had the shades on and his headphones on that his uh, trainer was doing all the talking for him, he wouldn't even look over at Tyson Fury. He was, he was actually kind of tilted and facing the other way. 
it just it looks pretty sad if you ask me. Um, man, like 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 uh, what's his name? Uh, not uh, Timothy Bradley said. Uh, uh, it seems like he's scared. It seems like he's just trying to keep his heart and morale up until the fight time, and let after when fight time comes, let his adrenaline carry him through. Um, I, I I have been impressed by all the little boxing clips that they have been showing out because it shows like he's actually trying to change something, which is something that you and I have been talking about for years, Amilcar. But uh, we'll see if it's enough. Like Tyson Fury said, uh, he called him Mike Tyson. Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. And when they get punched in the face, they go right back to the one thing they know. One little jab and trying to throw one big power punch to knock him out. We'll see what happens. Uh, I love Tyson Fury in, in, in this uh, um, press conference. He, he had me dying. Thought it was hilarious. I mean, absolutely. I mean, Fury obviously did his thing. He showed up shirtless. He had all that flabby extra skin. That I mean, he can get rid of that is have surgery. I mean, that's literally what happens when you lose a hundred plus pounds. Uh, you got all that extra skin that ain't going anywhere. Uh, don't let him fool you and, and don't believe that he's not in shape because he absolutely he absolutely is in shape. Uh, that's extra skin. But anyways, what I was trying to get at earlier was that look, the man refused to take softball questions from Christina Poncer. I mean, Christina Poncer. I respect her, but we all know she wasn't going to go there to ask Deontay tough questions. You know, I mean, he kept his shades on. He kept his headphones on. And where the fuck was Shelly Fickle? Where the the fuck was JD's? JD's, the guy who was inspecting the gloves that Deontay tells everybody were tampered with. JD's was in the uh, training room. JD's was there with the commissioner. JD's was there inspecting the gloves. But Deontay is saying that the gloves were tampered with, but yet JD is still in the camp, the white man. Meanwhile, Andre, uh, sorry, uh, Mark Breland, the black man, is ass out without a job in the camp, being blamed for spiking water, being b- blamed for being a disloyal trainer, right? Uh, he's accused Tyson Fury of doing things that would put Tyson Fury in prison if they were true, that would put Sugar Hill in prison if they were true. That would put members of the Nevada Commission in prison if they were true. But then he shows up in Las Vegas, Nevada, and refuses to answer questions. You said all this shit. You talked all this talk. You said it on 78 Sports TV. You said it on Barbershop Conversations. You then gave interviews to Ellie Sekback, but you couldn't take questions from the boxing media. You couldn't stand up for what you said, but then you want to act like you're the king of Wakanda and represent all my people, but you don't represent my people. You're an embarrassment to my people because my people are people that represent and respect the elders. What happened to all the ancestor worship, Deontay Wilder? You respect your ancestors, you respect your elders, but then you throw Mark Breland under the bus? Really? And then you don't even have the balls to stand up and say what you said. Say what you said, bro. Just back up what you said. Where's the proof? You said you had the proof. Where's the proof? Where's the proof that Mark Breland spiked your water? Where's the proof that Tyson Fury cheated? You kept your headphones on, fam. It's a bad look. It's a bad look. And now your fans are on on the internet calling people like me and H-Money coons. But you're the one cooning. And, and, and giving JDs a, a, a permanent job. What is JDs in the Supreme Court? JDs can't lose his job? 
Jay-Z, JD's obviously hasn't taught you how to box. Now, the one thing I'm going to say before we get out of here, Kenny, is that I actually don't necessarily think that Malik Scott's going to get this dude ready for this fight. And I'll tell you one thing that uh, Joe Habib mentioned that I agree with 100%. He's training the dude to fully extend on his punches, right? He's training the dude. You see people do do this at Blink. For those of you who don't know what Blink is, it's a fitness center that's all over New York City. You got these amateur hour boxing coaches that are always moving the hand bits so that people don't miss their punches when they're throwing them. That's what Malik Scott's doing for Deontay. He's, he's giving him full extension on the shots. The fact is, he's going to have to engage in trench warfare against Fury. Fury's going to be up in his chest, going forward, mean mugging him, and putting all that 280 pound pounds on his frame. And he's going to have to hit him with short shots. I don't want to take credit for this because it's my man Joe Habib that laid all this out. Watch the training footage. He wasn't training him for short shots. But we are over time, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining us for Mano a Mano. I want to get everybody out there to make sure you tune in uh, to, to D-Style and, and Calix. They got a great show coming up. D-Style, please drop the link to that. Everybody go over there and tune in. I will be talking about the white privilege conversation. Pauli Malignaggi talked about it from a certain perspective, which I thought was a weird perspective because the dude's a Sicilian from New York, but whatever. And then from the Deontay Wilder perspective, and I'm going to break it down later this week and get to the nitty gritty of all this white bullshit uh, conversation that's going on right now. But thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. Kenny, last thoughts. Thank you all for tuning in. Appreciate you all. Power Punch is next. Mad love. Follow me on Twitter. Follow this page. Follow my Astro on Twitter. Thank you for the love. Appreciate you all. And also, top rank is trash. I'm going to continue saying that. We may get into it if this guy ever calls back. Oh, we didn't show up. Next Level Boxing Talk didn't show up. I totally forgot. Kenny, you were ready for him. Where he at? Where he at? It, it, just, just like Deontay Wilder, not showing up. <laughs> That's it for this week. Thank you, everybody. Take care. We out.